When we spend all our resources and time fixing ourselves, our achievements become only a frustrated mush of mediocrity. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the lovely and wonderful listeners, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, Akin. Hey, nice. hey, hey. You've really got a good smile going on today. That's nice. Um, so yesterday was the publication of Exceptional, the book. So I don't know, it's pages and pages of academic work they would be uh, saving this today, but we're going to cover, what, chapter one uh, in the book today, aren't we? Awesome. Yeah. And just uh, just because like uh, that was very uh, casual, Dan, it was very modest of you. This is this is Dan's latest book. Dan has, you're on your third right now. This is my third book. And um, gosh, there's a lot of me in this one. Um, there's two things about this one that I'm really excited about. One is that it is much more personal in terms of me and how it relates to my own life instead of just being sort of good business ideas. And then the second one, it really isn't just business ideas. This is one that's not just written for leaders of organizations. This one is written for every human that wants to get more living out of life. <laughs> Super. So for those of you who are joining us for the, the first time uh, and for the regulars also, what we usually do is we take peer-reviewed and published social science papers, as I said in the intro, and we just have a fun time with them. And we try to find what seems to be some of the best counterintuitive findings. And we have a bit of a play to see what does that actually mean for real life. So, uh, so this is kind of like Dan's playground, hence the latest book, Exceptional. So normally we take a social science paper. Today we're going to talk about Dan's book. And straight off of the bat, it's very relevant for the regular style of this podcast because you're getting straight in there with what seems to be a very counterintuitive overview here. So this is this idea uh, from what I can gather that what we tend to do in life is when we're trying to improve ourselves, we tend to look at the maybe the, the more negative or, or aspects of our lives or some of our shortcomings. And we look at how we can shore ourselves up in these areas. However, your latest book is suggesting that we start from what we do right. What's up with that, Dan? I know, and I hope it's right, man. I just hope I'm <laughs> right about this. I mean, here's what seems to be the truth, or sort of as they say in DC, true facts. Mm. It appears that we all have limitations. Like we're all going to go to our graves imperfect. So none of us are ever going to be perfect. And it's important to remember that we can all improve all the time. So in no way all right, is anybody out there saying, um, but certainly not me, that sort of we don't have to even look at our limitations or that we don't have them. What I'm focused on in this book is the idea that we have limited time. And that makes all the difference for me. Here's the thing. If you had unlimited time, infinite time, you could fix all your limitations and make them strengths. We don't. I think that's really the important insight is we don't have we don't have unlimited time. And so really the only question is, given the very limited time we have, how do we make our best impact? How do we create something or situation where we're getting close to our potential to create 
create with ourselves. And so that's the case. The insight seems to be that you look at what you're already uniquely qualified and good at doing, what you love doing, and you thrive. You try to do more of that and make an even bigger impact. And frankly, I'm not the first person that's put all this together. Um, you know, it's not as though like this is the first time anybody's thought about this. But what I have done is try to assemble the evidence and a new approach for learning about our strengths and figuring out uh, what we're capable of in terms of the impact we make. So that's pretty dope. So I guess what I'm uh, a bit picking up there is, especially when you mentioned this idea that you're not the first to have done it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's often good to get like friendly reminders of how we can kind of like fix up and look sharp. Uh, So I, I guess my mind is kind of drifting towards this question of there seems to be some resistance in terms of people yeah. wanting to work yeah. to their strengths. Like, what, what's, what's going on with that? Like, it, it, sounds, cause it sounds too good to be true, right? Like, we kind of think about what we enjoy. You know, we might think about what gets us into states of flow, uh, what, makes us, what makes us happy and what other people like about us. And we seem to just be kind of like brushing that to one side. What's going on with that? Man, what good question that is. Um, first off, I don't know. I think awesome. That's the most important thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting how, as a species, we seem a little bit allergic in two things. Number one, we seem allergic to telling other people what's so special about them, what's so unique about them, why they're so valuable. Now, we're, once they die, then we're good at that. You know, it's like we call that a eulogy and then we all get together and we say, oh, this is why old Joe was so special and unique. But like Joe's dead. He's laying there in a casket. Can't hear any of it. I think Joe wants to be left alone at that point as well. He's like, you guys didn't appreciate me, me, right? Like, (laughs) You had countless opportunities (laughs) to mention this shit. And all of a sudden, you want to open up. (laughs) Now everybody's got something to say to dead Joe. Okay, okay, (laughs) guess what? Not listening. (laughs) (laughs) So I find that really interesting and ironic that we sort of, you know, why wait? Why are we waiting? I think that's really interesting. And then the second one is this idea about modesty. I think that we humans have a lot of worry, and understandably so. We have a lot of worry about making people arrogant, that arrogant Mm. pride, that where they, we don't want to give them a big head and then have them walk around thinking they're God's gift to the world. And now they aren't going to do any teamwork. They're just going to be a prima donna. And I think that not only in organizations, but as parents and even as friends, we worry that if we don't knock people down a couple of pegs, they might just get uppity. And... It's really very interesting because it ends up being a situation where when we think of who we are, you know, now we're to the word self. When we think of ourself, for a lot of people, what comes to mind the quickest is our limitations and the things we're not really that good at and all the things that we have to improve. And that can hold us back. That can be, it can give us less confidence, but it also can be way less energizing. And what the evidence seems really clear is that we can do the opposite. You know, if we can create a vision of a best self in our brain, and that can be based on real life actions and activities that we have done to make the world better, you know, to use our strengths to make an impact, right? That that becomes the salient version of who we are. So like I've, I've, I dived into the intro and chapter one, you, you just mentioned this, uh, this element there of real life, 
examples. And it can be, uh, I guess there could be quite some, uh, some temptation to, to think about how we imagine ourselves. Like we can imagine ourselves being a few feet taller, running maybe like a, a few feet faster, or maybe uh, in our heads, we, we sound a lot more kind of like uh, intellectual than we might come across in real life. And you mentioned this idea of like the, the highlight reel. And what I really loved about that, Dan, was this idea of this version, this best self of ourselves that we can look to is, is evidence-based, as you mentioned. Like it's, it's actually going out and, and asking people like, yo, what do you know about me when I'm at my best? So I want to kind of like segue from that into some of the research that you did conduct over the years. Uh, so it wasn't just, uh, I guess, kind of like imagining what uh, exceptional would be like as a book and then just like yeah. writing that. You actually had to put in a fair bit of groundwork as well. Yeah. So from what I gathered, there was a field and a lab experiment so yeah. yeah hit me hit me with these and let's uh yeah let's Absolutely. see if we can chop these up a little can bit can i put some context in there akin as well yes, please I think it's actually really important in my opinion to put out there something that i've learned through my my history you know like what, what i've learned is i've gone through my research um way back when when i was having a really hard time and i got really really sick in life i came across some research by martin seligman and by laura morgan roberts uh, he's at UPenn and she was at, she was at Michigan uh, when she did this research. And what it did is it put out there this idea of gathering evidence about our best impact from other people. That's a really big concept. And as you know, I mean, we're going to talk about this later. Uh, Ascentic, a company that both Akin and I work at, that's what we do there. That's what that company does. It creates these reports of how other people receive you and perceive you when you're making your best impact. When you're like, when they think you're in flow and then they give you that, that feedback. What Akin just brought up is kind of where a lot of this stuff started for me. A lot of the research where I started was just the self-reflection piece. So before we got into the business of going out and getting like this 360 feedback from family and friends and mentors and like high school buddies and stuff, before we did that, step one was, what if I just self-reflect? Like what if, for example, if I'm a call center operator, this is one of the studies, and I'm in India and I'm working at Wipro, what if I got hired there and on the very, very first day, the boss, rather than like starting to tell me about the job and here's the culture, what if the boss instead said, I want to know about you at your best. I want to give you 15 minutes right now to like write down some memories that you have about you at your best. And the specific thing he said was, write down about a memory when you felt you were doing what you were born to do. Which is like kind of heavy for the first day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of heavy. It's pretty heavy stuff for the first day. But as you're saying it, Dan, it's resonating so well with me. This idea of going through like um, interview number one, interview number two, first day, and at no point anyone asking like, what about me? Like if that was like the dating scene, you wouldn't make it to a first date. Like you're not getting called into the house. Like you'd, the other person would want to feel valued as an individual. I've always found it quite comical when you kind of like go through like interviewing processes and, you know, they get all of your competencies down. And then right at the end, when you think there might be some time for you to express 
some personal thing about yourself to go and ask you if you were any animal, what animal would you be? Yeah. It's yeah. like, listen, there's, there's some deep-seated emotional and kind of like, you know, um, I'm, I'm a person. I'm a human being. Like, they're kind of like reducing <laughs> I am not an animal. Right? <laughs> and so, like, even as you're saying it, I can, yeah. I can yeah. see, even just at a human level, I can see a great yes. deal of value in someone just ask, like, who are you? Yeah. Oh, cool. And not only did they ask them, I think this is equally important. They then put these newcomers in a room together because they were going to like be in a training thing together for like six weeks. They said, now that you've thought about that and reflected on it, now introduce your best self. Like tell those Mm. people something about you at your best. And so the cool thing about that is that means they also met each other as a best self instead of like, you know, Mm. the the woman in the red shirt, you know, or like, uh, so I think that that's actually powerful. But here's what we learned. I, mean, you know, I, don't, I don't want to go on and on about this. But what we learned in that first study is that those people who were randomly assigned to the condition where they wrote about their best selves and so on, they were not only making their customers happier. So their customers, this is now six months later, we got all the data. Their customers were 11% happier, statistically significantly substantially happier. But also, they were much more likely to stick around. Because they just liked it better. Like to your point, you know, it kind of just feels better when you can be in an organization and be known for who you really are. Like not just here's my skills, here's my technical craft skills. Right. It's more like here's something broader about me at my best. Yeah, and like Yeah, so and and again, like um I really love that because what that says to me is that there is a potential. Uh, for organizations to set up workplaces where what happens is staff start feeling like resources. So um, this, it, there doesn't seem to be a need of bringing your heart to work if no one's ever inquired about you as a person. Like outside of like, you know, the cake being rolled out for like your birthday, like you know, if you've never seen a, a, a value or an interest in who you are as a person, but you're able to clock in, clock in at nine, dip at five, there doesn't really seem to be much that encourages you to bring more of yourself. And I can imagine myself, whether it's customer or client facing, I can comfortably see myself giving more in those situations if I felt that me as a unique individual and some of my personal qualities and skills were actually valued, I could see myself bringing more of my heart to a workplace yes. and possibly feeling a bit more like attached as well. Yeah. And I think that the key here is this, this authentic self-expression. It's, it's that idea about like, if it work, I'm just like a data generating processing machine that is very transactional. And it's like, I come in, I knock it out, I get the money, I go home and then my real life starts. And I think what this is opening up is the possibility that for very little money, just sort of asking people and like being interested, you can have people bring more of themselves in. I love the way you said that. You just like bring more of yourselves in because it kind of feels like it matters or it's wanted or it's asked for. Totally. We, yeah. We actually showed that. Yeah. And just it is in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just <laughs> this is this is the joys of like Zoom, right? <laughs> just a bit, uh, 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 uh. at least when we recorded in person, like in the studio, we could read each other's body language because we've recorded with a hand on each other's thigh. Uh, but like, I I found it, I because like I was reflecting on it like a bit more, and this this idea of you know being somewhere for nine hours and not 
bringing yourself it, it kind of feels like a bit of like wasted life yeah. like not, not to be a bit too heavy but this idea yeah. that you could spend five days a week like at a place uh, you know, maybe back when places are, are legal again. And well, that actually, was a thing. Yeah, you know, back. Remember when places was a thing? <laughs> what I'd give now to be in a place and feel like nobody. <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? But yeah, so this idea of spending like 40, like let's say 35, 40 hours yeah. somewhere, but not really like being yourself, but just kind of being a mode, like a gear. And like, wow, it, it, it just, it feels like yeah. this, uh, this kind of like uh, working to your strengths, this idea of starting with what you do right. Not only do I feel like it could improve performance, and you can speak a bit more to this, Dan, as well, but I just think like experientially, like I, I know like um, kind of like workplace experience had, had been trending um, like the, in the last kind of few years or so. And it did seem kind of odd to me when that began trending. Because it just seemed so unusual that we wouldn't consider, hey, these peeps are here all of the time. Like, like yeah, what is yeah. that like for individuals yeah. in terms like, of like their way wellness? Way more than and, they're with their families. You know? Right? They're here a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and just have them be real? But that, So what we did is we went back to, out of India, and we went back to the labs in Harvard um, University, and we did a similar kind of thing. We looked at people that were like typing in data and doing tasks in the lab and so on. And again, we randomly assigned some of them when we hired them as like lab um, people, uh, I mean, meaning like participants in this lab study, but we hired them to do this work. We randomly assigned some of them the same condition, where on the very first hour, the very first day, the sort of lab manager said, we want to start with kind of what about you and you at your best and same, same thing exactly. And what we learned is we replicated it and we found that they were less likely to make errors in data entry. They were more likely to come back in uh, subsequent days and do more work. And um, they, liked their, they liked the work better. And it was mediated or caused by this concept of authentic self-expression. And maybe we want to say a little bit about that, um, Akin, because authentic self-expression, it's this idea that we already brought up a little bit, but it's, I have an idea about my unique strengths and my unique value. And to the extent that I can put it out there and be recognized for that, that has an intrinsic value for me. And in fact, there's some research that suggests that it makes some dopamine pop in our brains and our ventral striatums and our seeking systems, as it were. So this is not sort of psychology, it's biology at this mm. point. So like Janet Dutcher at UCLA has done this study where she'll like hook people up to fMRIs, you know, like where they put the electrodes on their head and then she'll have them write about them, their best selves, their unique values and so on. Right. And it lights up this part of the brain lights up and they get like a hit of dopamine, which is like a feel good energizer drug. Essentially it's a neurotransmitter. It's free. It's legal. Don't worry. <laughs> I know that was your concern. You know. where, where I could get some was my concern, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think we might be creating some right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> Just by having this, this, this uh, conversation. But anyway, I think that the point that I'm trying to make there is to the extent that leaders can use this science and start to think about lighting up or igniting this authentic self-expression 
and then causing people to be more energized and more attached at work and bringing more of themselves to work. It is such a win-win. I mean, it's almost like common sense that's not common at this point because it's like, why would you not do this? It's not financially. This isn't even a cost. This is kind of you just thinking a little bit different about what you want people to bring into work and what you want to know about them. I, I'm always fascinated by that then, the, the why people don't. Like, and uh, I, I, would, I would question whether leaders have had the opportunity to be exceptional themselves. Like, I, I can see like a lot of the career paths and ladders. Uh, I can see how individuals are able to progress up the ranks and from what I've observed, so this is totally observational, uh, very often, like, it seems to be mostly skills-based with a little bit of, um, with, uh, I guess, kind of like who you know. Uh, but that who you know isn't necessarily the same as who you are. So I guess just kind of like thinking about it, uh, I guess, in a larger sense, it could be kind of like a, a dirty baton that kind of gets handed down in the sense of it might be a situation where like, you know, in order for leaders to make exceptional uh, followers or to, to like, you know, produce ex exceptional teams, it does stand that it would serve leaders to find where they themselves are exceptional. Because yeah. I would imagine as a leader, if you felt like your, your personality was part of your quality, like not in like a David Brent in the office kind of way where it's a bit like, okay, buddy, we do actually have some work to do here. But as a leader, if you had come through realizing the value of you as a person, not just you being assertive, not just you being like, you know, um, a good pastorally, but actually being like, oh no, me as a person, I've seen the value of what it's like when I am exceptional. I imagine those kind of leaders would be more likely to want to raise yeah. those kind of teams and individuals yeah. as well. That's a great point. And, and again, I don't want to oversell Ascentic. You know, I, I kind of like dropping it in here, but we don't want to make it the biggest deal. That's why that company is so meaningful, in my opinion, is we give leaders the chance. They come to London Business School and they go through a program and they get a chance to learn, to reflect, number one, on what they think are their natural strengths and what they're best at and who they really are, but also that full circle of how are they received by the people around them when they're making their best impact. I think that's really important. And another thing that you said there that, um, you know, I think it's essential that I bring up right now. It's the meaning of exceptional to me. It, for me, and the way I think about the title of this book, it's not saying how do you become exceptional relative to your competition? It's, on average, we all have set points and we go through the day. In some moments, we're exceptional, even for ourselves. And that might be because we're in that state of flow. And we're leveraging what we uniquely are qualified to do and what we love doing. And when we reach that state, life becomes exceptional for us and we create more value to the system, the social system. And that's what I'm really excited about. I could go on, obviously, for days about this topic. <laughs> I bet. I mean, Actually, you, you literally it's wrote kind the of book almost on magic. this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of magical to me how, if I could try to like say this even for myself really quickly, that by making certain ideas about ourselves more salient in our brains, and those ideas are based on real things that we've done that other people have noticed us doing. Right? It's not just made up fairy tale stuff. It's like, no, that's stuff I'm capable of. 
by making that bright in the brain and salient in our minds, mm. it gives us a confidence and a desire to be that more often. So yeah, it that- ignites us and it energizes us and it causes us to like want to bring more to the party. That that folds in. Oh my gosh, it's like it's folding in. We're gonna we're gonna land this uh, this episode in a few minutes, but like this this folds in. I know in the book you use the example of of athletes as well, and I know for myself personally, um, thanks to some of the research that we've covered on this podcast. I know we did an episode on like anxiety versus um, excitement. Uh, we also had the gratitude episode. And I do, I try to like use all of these things in my life to try to make it a bit more of like a pleasant living experience. And it does come to mind that at times when I am feeling confident, when I am feeling really up for something, uh, even on the stand-up circuit as well. Like one of the things I try to visualize uh, before I step on stage is I try to visualize the audience and myself having a good time. Like I want the, I want the, I want there to be a version of me and them at the forefront, which primes me to be a bit like, oh no, like you know, I've done this uh, a few times before. Like you know, people have enjoyed this on on a number of occasions, and. I, I know that the, the opposite happens. When I feel more in a state of like anxiety, I just start thinking about what the worst things that could happen. And then that becomes the, uh, the, the visualization of myself. And it's, it's lovely and beautiful to think that there is, you know, uh, psychological and biological evidence to suggest that with a little bit of thought and a little bit of behavior, I can kind of rewire my hardware slightly Mm -hmm. so that when there are tasks, when there's groups, if there's interviews, if there's performances, uh, even before we record these as well, just trying to have a a smile on my face. But it's it's so fascinating to think that there's things that I can tweak in that regard and, and tweaking you know, we'll, we, we may like uh, chat a bit about the, the book some more, maybe in a few weeks. Uh, but like, mm. uh, I do love this idea of like these, these small tweaks because um, without giving too much of the book away, but this idea of being exceptional compared to yourself. And you, you kind of phrase it quite well, Dan. So uh, just before we do kind of like land this bad boy, do you want to say like just a little bit about, you know, just because I think people might be kind of like, hopefully they're very interested in the book, which is available now on Amazon and I think Audible as well. Uh, <laughs> what I'll do actually is in the description, I'll include a link to uh, the book on Amazon. Cool. And I'll also Excellent. include a link to Ascentix website as well, listeners. So you can check both of those things out. But just a little bit, Dan, Uh, Just uh, in closing, part of the temptation, and I've suffered from this in life, partly blaming social media, uh, but like this idea of maybe comparing my version of exceptional to maybe like a bit of a a social standard, whereas from what I understand in the book, it's about comparing me to me. Um, But yeah, if you could say a bit more about that, Dan, that would be, I think it it really helped me when we spoke about it on a different occasion. So I'm hopefully- Absolutely. And I'll do this in the context- I'll do it in the context of that athlete's highlight reel idea, and then we can kind of put this uh, episode to rest for a little bit. But what I really love about that is 87% of Olympic athletes use these highlight reels. And they're like actual footage of them doing like the best kick or the best dive. And just as you're saying, the point is you bring that forward in the brain. And why that's so exciting to me is apparently, and again, I'm not a neuroscientist, like, you know, a psychologist, but apparently for real, biologically, information is held in nodes and then they're connected by linkages 
And when you think of what's called the anchor, it, it does this thing called spreading activation. And so like when you think of Coca-Cola as like the, the main node, the spreading activation happens. You think like you think red, you might think about sugar and diabetes, or you might think about Christmas time or whatever. These images pop in your mind and they're there because they've been rehearsed and practiced by Coca-Cola an awful lot. Anyway, um, same thing happens for ourself is when I say, who am I? Some ideas have to come to mind. And a lot of us, what comes to mind is like what I suck at or as bad as it could go or when I'm really limited and what I have to work on. And it, it's, it can be quite deflating, especially if that's where you live. People even develop what's called this imposter syndrome around that sometimes. Mm. And life kind of sucks in that state because worry, anxiety, threat is kind of the way you feel. Now, what the science shows is if we can flip that and we can start to show, here's what I'm capable of. I'm not saying I always get there, but I have been making that type of impact in my life. Let me make that salient. So when I think about who I am, what comes to mind is my potential. What I have done in the past, my version of exceptional, I could get there again, maybe a little more often. And I just find that to be... I mean, that was what gives me chills. It's so exciting because it's this, um, it's not making up in a fairy tale kind of way, like the secret. You just wish upon it and the universe is like, oh, you you wanted this car? Here's a car. <laughs> Why didn't you say sooner? <laughs> oh, God. I didn't know you wanted oh, this whole oh, garage full of <laughs> Lamborghinis. You should have written it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just printing <laughs> cash over here. <laughs> this is what the, what the science kind of shows around this is this isn't, willy-nilly what you wish you would be this is saying in your life you've done these things you have this capability you're just not there very often and i think that for me i can close comfortably by saying that 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 for me is perhaps the most interesting idea and then the book goes through and says how to mm. Just, just give them just enough. Uh, so, as we mentioned, the book is out now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm diving into it myself and having a grand time. Del- it's helping me get to know Dan a bit more as well. Like you mentioned at the top, Dan, this is you mentioned this is like your most personal project yet, and that seems a bit. Um, what's the word for it before we we dip out of this bad boy? It kind of, I'm a bit, I've been a bit obsessed with like fractals lately. And it sounds like your when I kind of think about Change to Strange, your first book. Uh, that for me kind of felt more organizational um, and then alive at work was bringing more of the human to the workplace. And it feels like this has kind of followed your transition in life as well, where uh, without saying too much about yourself, but it sounds like your, your style and your life is kind of following your books where now we get to the point where it's exceptional. And this is like, okay, this isn't about the organization this is not even about you at work. This is about you as a person and how you can live a life that is more exceptional in the sense of who you want to be as a person. Okay. I think we've, 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 we've plugged some things. We've had some lovely chats about the book as well. Uh, I think it's about time we get out of here. Thank you, Akin. That was really nice. I enjoyed talking cool. with the listeners. Thank you very much for rocking with us once again. I'm Akin Omobitan. Uh, Dan Cable, uh, follow him on Twitter as well, because Dan's going to be putting out some uh, some tasty clips to accompany the book as well, which will be uh, exclusively on uh, Twitter and uh, I believe LinkedIn as well. I think but also that, LinkedIn, yeah. Yep, yeah, totally. Okay, nice. let's uh, let's let's shut these. Let's shut everything down. Let's get out of here and let's go Goodbye. be exceptional. Enjoy <laughs> the rest of your lives. Beats. Ciao.